This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. I've been feeling a little weird lately. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> Not that kind of weird, but seriously, I've been feeling a little weird. And this time of year, I have never been able to shake the anxiety that I get around Labor Day. Like, I, I, I can't shake it. I, it's, um, I, I, it's funny. I was with my brother and my parents the other day. My dad brought up the U.S. Open yesterday, which gave me even more anxiety because it's like, oh, it's that time of year, training camp. Yep. U.S. Open, training camp, Labor Day. For me, the reality is for me, the stresses of training camp were much different than other players. Like I, I just, you know, like I used, I would love to have just been able to go to training camp to be a hockey player. You know what I mean? And this yeah. is me personally. I'm not saying that everybody feels the same way, but you know, like, I don't know. I don't talk about myself that often on the show. So, I mean, the reality is this time of year used to bring on such angst. Yeah. An unsettling feeling, just uncomfortable. It and was, this is largely because of the fighting is what you're talking about, right? The whole going to camp to prove yourself. Are you ready for the fitness testing? Like it all starts with the fitness testing. You know, yeah, I had, I had, I, 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 um, I, I had the exact same feelings, not on the same level as you, because I, I think that, um, you know, playing in our, our time and the types of players that basically just got invited to camp by these teams that were literally just bona fide peer fighters, guys that went home, they didn't even skate. They, you know, most of these guys have skating, uh, you know, uh, gurus, figure skaters that they work there. They want to work, work on their strides, the smoothness, the transition in there. Then you have these other guys that get invited to camp and all they do is do uh MMA, uh, you know, grappling and boxing and, uh, you know, like it's like those rookie it's, tournaments. Do you remember those fucking rookie ridiculous? <laughs> I mean, absolutely is, ridiculous. That's what, oh. that's why I can understand the way your feeling coming into camp, knowing that the team is most likely going to invite these guys that they have zero. And I mean, zero intention of ever having them on the team, but they have them in. They, they invite these guys to camp. The guys come to camp and they actually think that they have a chance to make the team. So their guns are blazing. They're just crazy. They have zero chance. There is not, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning to have one of these guys who can't skate. They're just horrendous hockey players, but the teams would bring them in to use them in those rookie tournaments. They would send these meatballs to the rookie tournaments. They would have meatballs from the other teams and they would just basically beat on each other for a weekend. It was just ridiculous. I remember those times, but my sucked, man. It it sucked, and it was just kind of like, and I want you to finish your point there, but oh, I, I just, I remember thinking, like, how did I end up here? Like, my goal was always to become a Darren McCarty of the NHL. 
Like that was kind of like when some, when I sat down with Don Luce when I was 20 years old or 22 maybe, and it was right before training camp. He was director of player personnel for the Sabres. Big mistake when they when they let him go and lost him. Like, But that's besides the point. The team was never the same. But And Larry Carrier and Terry Martin, those guys were like – but anyway, so Don Luce sat down with me and he said, what's your goal? Like, who do you think you can be in the NHL? And I remember I said, I would like to be a Darren McCarty type. You know what I mean? Like, tough as nails, fought everyone, but didn't fight all the time, but wasn't just relied on for just fighting. Like, he was a really good, solid player. Go look at some of the goals he scored in the playoffs. He has maybe one Do you of want the to know what his, uh, his last in, year in the OHL? Do you want to know his statistics? I know he had over 100 points. In 65 games played, this is this is a an enforcer in the NHL. This is a guy that got put in once he got to the NHL. He's no longer a hockey player. We just want you to be an enforcer. We want you to go out there and fight the other other tough guys in the league. Here's Darren McCarty's stats in junior. Skill, man. He scored a 65 goal. 65 games played for the Belleville Bulls. He had 55 goals. 127 points and 177 penalty minutes. Does that sound like a, a fighter? 55 goals, 127 points in 65 games. Does that sound like a fighter? Here's the thing. When you get to the pros. What round was he drafted in the NHL? Third. You want to know why I know it was third? Is your draft year? It was my draft. No, he was drafted in the second round. Sorry. Um, yeah. What pick was he? See, I was a second rounder, and that's why I would was, go back uh, and look at guys that were drafted in my spot. Their roles are in that, you know, like George LaRock was a second rounder. No one even realizes that, too. Yeah. Matt Johnson was a second rounder. Scott Parker was a first rounder in my draft. John Erskine was a second rounder in my draft. Stephen Pete was a second rounder in my draft. Yeah. Like, we're talking about legitimate killers in the nhl at the time yeah yeah in they're time. also they're also guys that, you know what people don't understand is these guys could play the game of hockey it's just that when they got to pro hockey things drastically changed you know and listen i love talking about myself right but when i came out of junior hockey i had 74 points 19 goals which led all defensemen in the OHL. I had a hundred and you know twenty-five penalty minutes. Does that sound in, in 61 games? Does that sound like a kid that should be fighting? I was a power play specialist when I grew up. I had skill. I moved the puck exceptionally well. I love jumping into the play. When I got to the, when I got to the minors, my first year, I played my first year in the minors. I got put in situations that I had to fight against guys that I would have never in a million years wanted to fight, but I did it anyway, just to survive. Cause I didn't know any better. And at the end of that year, sitting in the coach's office with the GM of the American hockey league, Fredericton Canadians, they said to me, ribs. We want two things next year from you. Number one, we want you to go home and take boxing lessons. I looked at them. I'm like, okay, I didn't even, I didn't even have it. I did. It didn't ring in my head 
when he said take boxing lessons because I think when you box, it is really good for cardio and strengthen your shoulders and all that kind of, kind of stuff, right? I didn't think anything of it until the second part came out and said, all we want from you next year in next year's season in year two is for you to have over 200 penalty minutes. Now I'm thinking to myself, what? You're not, they're not talking what did about you just 20, say? 20 visor infractions from the queue where you get a 10 minute misconduct. They're talking the hard way. Yeah. They want me to fight. That's what they're saying to me. I ended up with 32 points in 78 games in the minors in my first year pro. And they're telling me that they want me to be a fighter. How did That's that what make they you told feel me. at that moment? Like that I was is- furious. I was furious. I was so friggin' angry walking out of that. I'm like, have you guys not watched anything that I have done? Is this what I'm being drafted for is for to be a fighter, to be a defensive defenseman. That's what they wanted. I was furious. I'm sure Darren McCarty, we're talking about Darren McCarty and his statistics, 65 games played 55 goals, 127 points. He comes to the, uh, he comes to pro hockey and he, he becomes a completely different player. They want him to fight. They want him to fight. It happened to a lot of guys. Um, he was I'll only 6'1". I mean, when I lined up beside him, I, I thought he was bigger than 6'1". I asked him to fight. You know what he told me? It was when he was in Calgary. He's in Calgary. I don't know what year it was, but I lined up beside him and I was like, uh, hey, you want to go? Right. I don't even know what I said, but it was along those lines. It's extremely cheesy and cliche. But anyway, so he he looked at me and he, if you watch him in interviews, he's kind of got like a raspy voice. And on the other side of the face off, because the face off was in our zone to the left of the goalie. So I'm the left winger going out to the point. So the, the right winger in the zone was on the boards. Okay. For their team. Guess who the right winger was that shift? Chris Simon. So, so I know. So he says to me, and he's like, he goes, ask Simon. I'm like, fuck you, ask Simon. You ask Simon for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But meanwhile, like, yeah. I don't know. But Chris Simon, like, there was just an absolute wild man. But we were talking about McCarty and training camp and everything. And it's just, it's that time of year where I, that's one thing I, I have slowly been able to kind of appreciate was just like oh i don't have that like that was the thing when i retired or quit hockey i didn't retire i quit one of the best feelings was oh my god i never have to have that feeling again and it's not a good feeling i always had an awful feeling and it it actually when you reflect on it it's it's worse (laughs) but i mean you shake it really quickly but it's just kind of like oh my feelings that was part of the game my feelings were not quite the same as yours because I didn't, I didn't go into training camp always thinking that I had to fight, you know, these ungodly human beings that are, you know, trained fighters. I didn't ever feel like I had to do that. My, my anxieties came from, um, you know, I came from North Bay, Ontario. There was not a lot of um, high-end hockey players for me to practice with and skate with. Uh, there was not a lot of guys that were in the gym. I was by myself. I Yes, I did have a trainer, but I was by myself. 
And I could never compare myself to another player of, of my caliber and, and to make sure that I'm, I'm doing the things that I need to do, whether it was the sprint program that I had to do, I never was able to be tested alongside someone that was hopefully better than me so I can work harder. I worked out on the, on, in the gym, in the weights, lifting weights. Every day I left the gym, I always had a feeling. I always had this feeling. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I always had the feeling like I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. Someone's working harder than me someplace else, and they're getting better than me, and I'm falling behind. And that's what I felt like all these years. And it, it went on from the time I was probably you know, 18 years old till the time I, I finished when I was 37. Um, I always had those feelings until I got to camp, until I got through my, my um, you know, all the testing all the things that they do, that's when I realized how, how much work I had put in, how much work I had put in, paid off when I got to training camp, when I got on the ice, when I did all my tests. And I, that, that's when, you know, a few days after, that's when I, I, I could actually sit back and say, wow, great, great, great summer of training. You got better. And that's, that was important. So, well, it's training camp time of year. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what brought that, uh, brought that on. It was, it was just a little trigger of us open or something. I think Serena played last night. I didn't watch her or didn't follow it, but anytime it was us open, you come home from dinner after uh, training camp in the hotel. It was uh, some of the, some of the times were some of the best times, man, just hanging out in the hotel and, and watching the us open late at night, maybe a room service order of dessert before bed. You know what I mean? Cause you can afford the calories back then. But anyway, let's talk a little, um, little modern day NHL. Um, I, I, I know you sent me over something that you wanted to discuss. Well, we can get into that. I, you know, we, one thing that we were going to talk about today was the, you know, who we think are going to be the division leaders. Okay. Knowing what's transpired over the last uh, few months, there are some teams that have gotten better teams that have added. There's some teams that are continuing to mature. And I have my, my three division winners but I also have my division losers. Um, so we can talk about both those things. Um, you might agree with, with what I'm with, what I'm let's go negative. About. Let's talk about the losers. Who are your losers? I think the, I think the most Start with fun. the East, start with the Eastern conference. So the East is what, um, that's the Atlantic. Yes. And, no. Yeah. And Atlantic and Atlantic and uh, the Metro mm-hmm. Metropolitan. Uh, in the Metropolitan, I think this team is 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 really really good. Not only are they good right now and last year, and which what they shown, they are going to continue to get better because the 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 younger players on this team are the ones that are really going to drive this team to the next level the team and the team I'm talking about is the New York Rangers the New York Rangers I mean I think that they are going to be a top team in the league this year 
Um, I do have Carolina, Pittsburgh, and I have New Jersey in, in the top four. But the New York Rangers, to me, are, are going to be one of the top teams in the league. Just you look on defense, what they have on defense, those younger guys, whether it's Fox, um, Lindgren, you know, the, the big, uh, the big mutant on defense. I can't remember his name. I love him. No, but, uh, their overall team, Capo Kaku, Lafreniere, these guys are moving into their third year in the league. I think they're going to be a really, really good team this year. I said, yeah, worst teams. I said worst teams, but that's fine. We'll start with the Rangers. I think the Rangers are the cup favorite. Um, I think the Rangers are the cup favorite and, and there's rumors that they're going after Patrick Kane. I don't know if that's true or not. That's speculation. Yeah, there's been rumors that Toronto is after him. There's rumors that uh, the Rangers are after him. You know, well, someone has to be after him. I mean, someone's well, gonna. He's not. There's also a salary cap there. in the league too, right? Well, yes, there is, and that's the thing. He makes ten point five in salary, but I think or in salary cap hit, but he's like a six point nine million dollar in money this year. For from teams my don't give two shits research, about what they're actually being paid. They care about the cap hit, especially the big boy teams, the teams that are that are looking to win. I don't know how the New York Rangers are going to fit a ten and a half million dollar salary cap. It would be less than that. It would be like five and a quarter million because they'll have to take half. That's going to be part of the arrangement. Like Chicago can afford to have that on their salary cap right now because they don't. Who who's on Chicago's team? Kane, Taves, and who else? Exactly my point. So, oh, I mean, you got the defenseman there too. But my point is, is that whoever trades for them, the salary cap is going to be cut in half. But it's the money situation. So it'll be dollars left over when they trade for them. That's why teams won't move for them until around the deadline. It won't be done before the season. But he's not finishing in Chicago. And it makes most sense for him to I'd go to the I'd be super Rangers. surprised if he starts. If Patrick Kane plays 10 games for Chicago Blackhawks, my, my jaw will drop. Really? Have you, you seen their team? Soon? Have you seen their team? Yeah, well, that's the I have point. never like, seen a bigger shoe in for last place in the league. They are completely horseshit. Jonathan Taves is 35 years old. He took a full year off for some personal issues, came back last year, was not the same player whatsoever. They've traded away their entire team. They have Patrick Kane and they have Jonathan Taves. And every and, and then the rest of them, I mean, yeah, Max Domi on the fourth, the third line. Great, great. Like, I mean, this is a horrendously bad hockey team. They have like I mean, making ten and a half, Taves making ten and a half salary or salary cap. They have Seth Jones making nine and a half, and they're still toward the bottom of the league in salary cap. That's what the rest of their team looks like. Crazy. Like after after their three forwards up front that make five plus then you have two, three million, then a bunch of like league minimum guys, 1.2 and below. Colin Blackwell, Sam Lafferty, Lucas Reichel, Mackenzie Antwistle, Mike Hardman, Reese Johnson, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, Philip Kirishev. Ladies and gentlemen, your Chicago Blackhawks. 
crazy how bad that is. That is just crazy. So let's 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 get back to it. For me, in the Metropolitan, I have the Rangers as my number one team, with a Carolina, Pittsburgh, and New Jersey as my as my top four. My bottom in the Metropolitan. I think Philadelphia Flyers will be the worst team in the Metropolitan this year. I, I, I mean, look at their team. I, they're, they're not a good hockey team. Why would anyone want to be good this year if you're near the bottom? Losing is good this year. Let's be honest. Look, losing is very good. Losing is very good. Losing this year is winning. Period. End of story. And, and why is that? Who's the kid? Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. I mean, he is he is a special talent. There is no question. And so there's do you a think, lot of do you teams. think some of these teams are tanking? Oh, absolutely. If it, come on, Petey, do you not see what Chicago did? I have never seen a team go to the lengths that Chicago has to guarantee a last place finish in the league. That does not uh, guarantee. Nothing can outdo Tim Murray's efforts back in 2014, no most no legendary way. tank job in the history of tanks, maybe better than Quebec. And they threw games. Yeah. You know, so listen, Metropolitan, I have my top four. The Rangers are number one with Carolina, Pittsburgh, uh, New Jersey. And then my bottom is Philadelphia with a Columbus, the Islanders, and Washington. I think the Washington Capitals are going to eventually start to take step backs. You know, Ovi is 36. And I and he is he is just a wonder, wonder boy. Age is going to eventually creep up. Okay. You think it's just about goals for him now? Yes. No he question. Backstrom to, together are going to do it together. They got their cup. They'll ride off into the sunset here. He'll Backstrom's hurt. He's another guy. He's hurt right now. Um, but he's on an extension for years to come is what I mean. Yeah. Um, I just think that I, I just think that team in general is going to start to take a decline. And uh, they're still they're still a solid hockey team. They're still a dangerous team because they have some dangerous players. But I think it's going to start to uh, dwindle backwards. All right. Next division, because I, I don't. I mean, I I don't understand the Washington Capitals situation at all. I don't know why Ovi would sign back there. I don't know why they would bring back Backstrom. I don't know why they didn't tear that thing down after and at the end of Ovi's uh, last contract. Let him walk. Why re-sign him to that kind of money? <laughs> you know, you're 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 signing Ovi for a reason. You're signing Ovi because he is he is going to chase something. He's going to chase something. And it's going to be special. And if he has the ability to do it, it's special. Like, I mean, to chase Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring um nine, what what is it? Eight hundred and ninety six goals. It's no nine how much ninety four. 894 yeah i mean it's a lot of goals it's a lot of goals and um you know for him to do it he's got to he's got to stay healthy and he, he gets, has been healthy. he gets to 800 this year he passes Gordie howe this year 
Bucky only needs half a season to pass Gordy Howe this year. He needs, what does he have, 802, Gordy Howe, or 801? He's yeah. 801. Like, Ovi's 22 goals away from passing Gordy Howe and becoming number two. He does that this season if he plays half a year. So what is he at now? 780. Oh, my God. He'll do that before Christmas. If he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, he'll have 20 goals before Christmas. He is going to be so hungry out of the gate. Oh, my God. Do you remember the year he scored 10 goals in the first three games? It wasn't that long ago. It was only a few years ago. Remember he had like yes, yes. two hat-tricks or something in this first four games of the season? Yeah. He is going to be a man on a mission. That is the guy to watch this year. Like, is he going to, you think he goes back to classic Ovi back when he scored 60 and it's like, fuck the team. I don't give a shit. I'm full speed ahead. I am uh, minus what's Ovi's plus minus this year. I'm going to say he scores 50 goals and he's minus, he's minus 25, 30. <laughs> you think so too? He, I think he's going to be like, I think he's going to have one of those seasons where he scores 55 goals and he's like minus 25, minus 30. Like the year that he did this jumping over the stick when he scored the 50th teams out of the playoffs, but he got his 50th. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he, I hope he has another great season. I mean, I'm on, I've been on OV watch. You've known this. I've been on OV watch for five years. I think he's doing something special. He's going to be in the history books. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to continue to produce at a high level. It is not easy in this league. This is a young man's league. This is a kid. This is not even a man's league. These kids, they're kids. Guys are 18, 19, 20 years old. They're still kids dominating. Not just jumping in and getting their feet wet and playing on the, the fourth line or the, the third defense pairing. No, these kids are jumping in and they're, they're, they're leading the power plays. They're dominating. This is a special era of hockey player. It's been like no other. The talent level of these players are through the roof, these kids that are coming in. And I'm going to tell you, there's a ton of guys that are playing in the, in the NHL right now. There has never been a larger group of players that are not in the NHL that could play in the NHL. But it's musical chairs, baby. It's musical chairs. There's only, there's only enough seats at the table. And there's a lot of hungry guys that are playing in the minors, playing overseas, you have you have to uh, you have to do something special when your time is there and available. You have to take advantage of it. So, what's that have to do with Ovi? How is because he he's still, old? How the hell is he still because dominating? I don't understand. He scored what fifty this year? Fifty in seventy-seven games. <laughs> He's played like what thirteen hundred games. Do you know how how long he's played? The wear and tear on your body, and it may not be major injuries like a knee or a hip or a shoulder. He may not have major injuries. It is the wear and tear. Alex Ovechkin has not tiptoed around with glass slippers throughout his career. He's been the exact opposite. He's been the poster child of a power forward, a scoring power forward. His body has to have taken a beating. At what point are we going to see an injury to him? Something is going to wear down. 
not hoping for it, but I just sit here and wonder, how hasn't this happened yet? How? He's a freak. It's absolutely crazy. And the season that I was talking about was um, 13-14. He played 78 games, 51 goals, 28 assists, and uh, minus 35. So, yeah. you know, I'm wondering if that's the Ovi that we could see. Okay, so back well, let's to, get to the, back, let's yeah, get, back to the let's conversation. Let's go to Pacific. Go to, let's go to no, the Pacific. Why are you, you just finished the Metro. Why are you going to go from the Metropolitan? Because I want to end with, uh, you know. Um, what about what about the other division, the Atlantic? Because I think the Atlantic is going to be a, the biggest conversation. We're not, I think we're not that, talking about the Atlantic today. Is that what you're telling? Yeah, me? we are. We're going to leave it for last. Because I think there's, I think there's some great debate when it comes to that division. Well, hurry up and get to the Pacific. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the Whistle and at Craig Reve fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.